0: Welcome, everyone, to our Sunday service. You may be seated. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I actually totally forgot that it was Valentine's Day until this morning, and my, uh, my daughter reminded me it was Valentine's Day, but happy Valentine's Day to you all. Uh, today we're going to be looking in Revelation 7. Um, if you're at home, if you want to go and get your Bibles, um, it's also going to be on the screen. Um, so I'm going to read from Revelation 7, and I'm just going to read two verses. We're going to read a lot of verses throughout the sermon uh, but for this portion, we're just going to read these two verses in Revelation 7, uh, verses 13 and 14. And so please gather your hearts <clears throat> as we come before the word of God. Revelation 7:13 says, that one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Last summer, we decided to do some of the landscaping around our house. And although it's usually uh, my father-in-law and I who who do the landscaping, we decided that it was kind of a big job. And so we hired a landscaper, and his name was Danny. Um, He's someone that our our neighbor used, and um, we began to uh, form a relationship with him. And uh, Danny is one of the nicest and most hardworking guys I've ever met. Um, I found out that he grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. And I started to get to know him a little bit. I I was able to share the Gospel with him, and um, I had him over the house uh, for a little bit. And I began to kinda listen to his story, and he told me that as he was growing up, he had a a little bit of a hard time uh, with his faith. And one of the things that he had a difficult time with is the Jehovah's Witnesses actually believe that there are 144,000, very exact number, 144,000 people who are saved and resurrected to heaven, and that's, that's it. And um, others are not resurrected in the same way. He had a hard time with a lot of the teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and eventually he moved away uh, from that, um, that group, and he lost a lot of relationships along the way. It was actually very sad to hear the story, but he had a very hard time coming to terms with what they believed. Three weeks ago, Um, I got a Facebook message, a Facebook message from someone who used to go to Mosaic, and he messaged me, and he said, Pastor Dave, my mother is um, up to get the COVID vaccine, but she's refusing to get the COVID vaccine despite her advanced age, and, you know, she could get sick, and it could be really harmful for her, but she's refusing to get this COVID vaccine because she tells me, not for a biological or science reason, the reason she's refusing the vaccine is because she believes that it's the mark of the beast, that it's the 666 in the book of Revelation in this COVID vaccine, and she believes that this is um, going to separate her from God if she gets this COVID vaccine. Could you please talk to her? You know, as a pastor and as a spiritual shepherd of God's people, there are a few things that make you angrier um, than things that lead God's people away from the truth. And throughout history there have been these numbers that have confused the church and not just confused the church but have led people away and led people astray and you might have heard of some of these numbers in the past and you might have some conceptions about these numbers but these numbers in the book of revelation have led a lot of people astray and it's interesting because a lot of them are found in just a few chapters concentrated in the book of revelation and i thought You know, since we're in the book of Revelation, it might be good for all of us as a church to get on the same page about the meaning of these numbers and an understanding of what these numbers actually mean. And so today, I want to get on the same page about three numbers that's confused the church for a long time. The first number is seven, second number is 666, and the last number is 144,000. The seven-year tribulation, the mark of the beast and the saved group of 144,000. I don't know if if you've ever been confused by these numbers or if you're maybe new to the church. This is the first time you're hearing about these numbers. You've never even thought about these numbers. But today, what I'd like to do is to kind of set the record straight together as a congregation. And I'd love to look at these numbers through the lens of the gospel. And when you do that, I think we're all gonna find out that when you look behind these numbers, what you're actually gonna see is not confusion, But what I hope to show you is God's heart of love behind each one of these numbers. And so that's what we're gonna do today as we look into the book of Revelation. So I want you to bow with me, because John says this requires wisdom and understanding. Father, um, as we look at your book, the, the word of God that you have given to us, we just confess that there are things that have confused us, there are things that have led us astray. But Father, by your spirit, And by your faith community, you can bring us towards truth and lead us back to you. I kind of want to especially pray today for those people who have been maybe led astray and have been brought into fear and anxiety in the past through these numbers. I just pray that today you would show them your Father's heart and that that would shine through and that at the end of the sermon, that they would be in deep gratitude, in worship, And in praise of their Savior, I pray that your clarity and truth would bring worship and praise to your name again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first number um, that I'd like to talk to you guys about is the seven-year tribulation. Uh, You might have heard of it. Let me read again our passage. Um, Verse 14 says, Sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation." The first number I'd like to talk to you guys about is this number seven, the seven-year tribulation. And you might have heard of this um, maybe in the past. And the idea is, if you've never heard of this, the idea that's prevalent in Western Christianity and has kind of spread all over this world is this idea that there's going to be this very specific seven years, 84 months of tribulation that the world and Christians will go through at the end of days. Um, It's been popularized by uh, books and movies such as The Stand by Stephen King, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, It's also been uh, popularized by the series Left Behind series, it was a book that was made into a movie. I think that there are kind of like revivals of both of these in today's, uh, I don't know who does it, HBO or somebody has kind of remade these and um, they've been kind of been popularized again and again in our culture. And in those stories, in those writings and movies, there's been this idea that there's a seven-year tribulation uh, that the world is headed for at the end of days. Now, what does the word tribulation even mean? Uh, The word tribulation, it comes from an old Hebrew word, which uh, really is the imagery of grapes being pressed, grapes being pressed in God's wrath, and the bleeding of the grapes kind of representing the bleeding of the people. Right? This, this time of hardship and of, and of trial and of great um, suffering that's coming in these seven years. Wh- where does this idea come from? Um, well, I don't have time to get into all the places where it comes from, but one of the places where it does come from is an interpretation of Daniel and Revelation. There isn't an explicit passage anywhere in the Bible that says that it's going to be a specific seven years of tribulation, but it comes from an interpretation that people have pieced together from the prophecies of Daniel, and we spent a lot of time in Daniel, and the vision in Revelation, and people have put those things together to say that there's seven years of tribulation coming to us. I want to remind you, though, that numbers in apocalyptic literature are never literal, right? Numbers are always symbolic in apocalyptic literature. And you know that if you've been through Daniel with us. Regardless of that fact, people have tried to pinpoint when this is going to happen. When is the tribulation going to happen? One of these seven years going to happen. But I want to remind you that numbers are always symbolic. Numbers are always symbolic. And so what does the number seven represent if you come to that interpretation? You know, the number seven in Revelation always represents a completeness, fullness. So instead of thinking of it as seven specific years of tribulation, it's better to think of it as when the fullness of suffering has finished, when all the suffering has finished, when all the tribulation that Christians have gone through finishes, the Lord will return. It's not a specific seven-year period. And yet, you know, there may be an intensification of of tribulation, an intensification of trials before Jesus returns, but we shouldn't think about it as a specific seven-year period because these numbers are not meant for us to take literally. It's meant for us to take symbolically, and seven means the completeness of tribulation, all of the tribulation. But again, nevertheless, people have tried to pinpoint a specific time. In 70 AD, it was a terrible time for the Jews. Their temple was destroyed. Their cities were ransacked. Over a million Jews were killed in 70 AD. And in that time, many people believe this is the time that Jesus spoke of in the book of Matthew, where the tribulation will come. And this is the end of days. And this is the end. And it's all happening right now. And you know what? They were right. I remember when the European Union was being established and all of the nations of Europe were being brought together and they were talking about one currency that they would all use, the euro. And in that time, I heard American Christians saying, this is it, this is the tribulation. There's gonna be one currency and then all the people are gonna be uh, marked with the mark of the beast and we won't be able to obtain this currency unless we get the mark of the beast. This is the seven year tribulation, it's about to happen. And you know what? They were right. And right now, during COVID-19, people are saying these are the things that have been foretold in the book of Revelation. And the seven-year tribulation is about to happen right now. And you know what? They're right. They're all right in a sense, kind of. They're not right in that it's going to be the seven specific years of tribulation. But the tribulation that we see in Revelation has multiple manifestations and shows up again and again in history because we are in the seven years, the fullness of tribulation. And so, yes, what we're going through right now, I see you guys all here with your masks on. Is this the tribulation? It is. When the Jews were killed during World War II, and before that in 70 A.D., was that the tribulation? Yes, it was. We are in the tribulation right now, and we have been since Jesus ascended to heaven because we are in the midst of the fullness of the tribulation, all of the suffering that God's people will have to endure before his return. You are in the tribulation right now. Why does that matter to us? Why does that make a difference to us? Let me tell you one reason that makes a difference to us. You see, if we were just afraid of a specific tribulation that's coming someday, like in The Stand or in Left Behind series, then sometimes we get this deep anxiety that something crazy is going to happen, and everyone is going to be put into uh, this winepress of God's wrath. And there's this fear and anxiety that comes to us, and every time something happens, it makes us more worried. Right? that The tribulation is now here, and it causes us anxiety, and it leads us in our hearts to worry and to anxiety and to fear. That's what Satan wants you to feel regarding the tribulation. That's where Satan wants to take your heart with the, uh, the apocalyptic literature, the prophecies about the tribulation, is to freak you out, is to make you scared and to make you anxious, But that's not what the Lord's purpose is in tribulation. The Lord's purpose in in suffering and tribulation and trials is not to make you scared and anxious. That's what Satan wants of you. But what does God want of us in the midst of our suffering and our tribulation? If we're in the tribulation now, what does he want of us in the midst of this? I don't know if you remember um, when the people of God were taken into the wilderness, and the wilderness um, out of Egypt was a great time of tribulation for them, a great time of suffering. And in that, if you look at the book of Hosea, God actually reveals a bit of his heart of why he brought them into the wilderness. And in Hosea 2.14, this is what he says. He reveals a little bit of his heart of why he brought them into suffering and tribulation and the desert and the wilderness. And he says this, Hosea 2.14. I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And speak tenderly to her. Do you see what God says here? He says, I'm going to bring them into the wilderness and I'm going to bring them into suffering and I'm going to bring them into tribulation because I want her to hear me. I want to speak tenderly to her. I have something to say to her, and she's not listening. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will allure her. And when I do that, I can speak tenderly to her. You know, Many of us are married, and if you're married, you definitely fight. All of us fight. All married people fight. And sometimes in the midst of our fights, we say things we don't mean. It gets very heated sometimes, and we hurt each other pretty bad. Right? It happens. Look, it's Valentine's Day. If you're fighting, make up today. Right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, if, if you are married, you're in fights. And we hurt each other. You know, we scar each other. We, we say things that we don't mean to each other. And, you know, it happens again and again in our marriages. Um, but, you know, when we do make up, and those of you who are married know this, when you do make up, there is that moment when you come together finally. And it almost seems like things are very quiet. And it almost seems like every word that you say to your spouse in that moment of making up, every word seems to matter. It's like every word seems to land, and every word seems big. Do you know why? Because in that moment, your hearts are tender. You have been through it with each other. You have said things and hurt each other. Your hearts are tender after the suffering of your marriage. And in that moment, those words land very differently than when you say words Tuesday morning, just whenever. Why do those words land so differently? Because their hearts are tender from the fight. God says, I wanted to bring them into the wilderness. I wanted to bring them into suffering because I wanted to tenderize their hearts. I will allure her, and I will bring her into the wilderness so that I could speak tenderly to her. Satan wants you to look at the passages about tribulation and freak you out, to put you in suffering and make you anxious and fear, but not God. He says, I will bring her into suffering, and I will bring her into pain, and I will bring her into tribulation so that her heart will be soft and that she will come near to me, and that I can speak to her, and she will finally hear my words. Some of you received some bad news this week. Some of you had a really tough week. For some of you, I know what you went through this week. Others of you, I don't know. But why has God brought you into a tough time right now? He says, I have something to say to you. And I want to speak to you tenderly. And I want my words to land on your heart. I will allure you and I will bring you into the tribulation so that I can speak to you. My brothers and sisters, if you're in the midst of suffering right now, God has something he wants to say to you. And right now is the time to pray and meditate because he's bringing you into a place where he wants to say some words to your tender heart. Why tribulation? Because God wants to bring you closer to him. And right now, your application would be to go to him in prayer, meditation, Because if he's put you in the wilderness, then he has something he wants to say to you. And so I want to encourage you to go to him. The second number that's confused us is not just the seven years of tribulation, but 666, this idea of the mark of the beast. This has always confused us, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that next. Revelation 13, verse 16 to 18, it says this. It also caused all both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the mark of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 666. Um, If you're unfamiliar with this idea, it's this idea that there is this mark that um, the beast, and next week, or uh, in two weeks, I'm going to get into the beasts and the dragon in Revelation. But there's this idea that there's this mark that's put on people voluntarily, um, put on uh, people. And without this mark, it's incredibly hard to operate in this world. It's hard to buy and sell. It's hard to kind of survive in this world. In other words, if you don't have this mark, you will have Tribulation and greater tribulation. And this number has led a lot of people astray to trying to figure out what this number is, this mark of the beast. And a lot of people are trying to figure it out because they're afraid that if they get this mark, then they're going to be marked with Satan and not with Jesus. So there's been a lot of speculation about what this mark is. Um, It's kind of rising up again. And people are afraid of this mark because they believe that it's going to damn them for eternity, right? And so there's been a lot of speculation about what this mark is, right? Some people have said that it's a, it's a computer chip that they're going to put into your hand or your forehead. Some people have said that it's a tattoo. Most recently, people have said the COVID vaccine itself is the mark of the beast and this is their way of putting the mark of the beast in all these different people. in, f- in fact, Ah, forget it. But there was this book up here, um, I didn't even know that it was up here, um, and I just discovered it. I put it away, but um, this book was saying the exact same thing: Watch out for barcodes, watch out for debit cards, uh, watch out for these certain things, because these things could all be the mark of the beast. You never know. So just be careful of these things. And that's always made the church so anxious. How could it not? if you think that you can unsuspectingly mark yourself into damnation for all eternity, that that should make you a little bit scared. That's what people have thought um, for many, many centuries. In fact, people have tried to figure out the name of this specific person. It says 666 is the the name of a man. It's the name of a man. And so people have used this number to try to spell out the name of the person. Right? And the way you know in the past in ancient languages they've attributed numbers to each letter so a would be 1 b would be 2 c would be 3 um, and so, by trying to figure out the number system for the names, they try to multiply, add, or multiply and add and divide, and you know, try to get to the spelling of the name, the person's name. So every world leader that comes into power, sometimes they would try to figure out: is he the beast? Is he the antichrist? And try to spell out the name and do the math to try to see if the name spells out to six six six. It doesn't work. It's got a lot of problems because there's a hundred ways that you could do the math. And not only that, there are so many different languages. Uh, the letter G, for example, is the seventh letter of the English alphabet, but the letter G is the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so there are so many different ways that you can do this math. Um, and there's so many different names it could come out, too. And you could almost do it with any name if you have enough time. Right, historically, they've said it's Nero, but they've also said it's the emperor Domitian. They've also said that it's Henry Kissinger. And that are those who have said it's Hillary Clinton. There's so many different ways that you could multiply, divide, add with various different numbers to try to get these names to add up to 666. But I want to tell you that that is not what we're supposed to be doing with this. It is not what we're supposed to be doing with this. And the understanding of this, that something that you could tattoo on your body or a computer chip or something that you could put in your debit card system or a stamp on your social security card, that any of these things could damn you for all of eternity just to be on the same page mosaic, it's a lie. It is not a physical mark that you will get that's going to damn you for all of eternity. I just want to set that clear. It's not the COVID vaccine. It's not a computer chip that you put on your kids. I've heard that too. There's this company that puts computer chips in children. So you know how we all get Amber Alerts um, on our phone? There's this company that puts computer chips in kids so that if something happens to your kid, you could track them down. And people have said, don't, get, don't put those in your kid because that's the mark of the beast. You know, It's not any of those things. The mark of the beast is a spiritual mark that's put on people that gives you allegiance to man and not to God. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of man because man was created on the sixth day and man is, falls short of the glory of God, seven. Falls short of the completeness of God. The number 666 is not somebody's name, Uh, That we should be trying to figure out. If you were in the Daniel series with us, you know that these numbers are not codes to figure out and crack, but they're symbols. And the difference between code and symbol, we said, is a huge difference. These are not codes for us to figure out, but they're symbols. And what it symbolizes is man the belief that man is God, that we trust in ourselves. This is not a physical mark, but this is a symbolic mark. Not only that, the text here says that all will get it. Everybody in Revelation is either marked with the seal of God or marked with the number of the beast. It's not something that you go and get. Everybody is spiritually marked, depending on their status with Jesus Christ. And this mark, 666, is the spiritual allegiance that we have to say that man is God. I trust in myself not in God. That is my religion. That's the way that I live. I trust in man, not God. I bow my knee to no one except myself. There's the mark of man. I love Frank Sinatra. I love his voice. I love his music. Um, There was a period when I would listen to Sinatra like every day. I love Frank Sinatra. But there's one of his songs that makes me very nervous. And it's maybe his most famous song, which is My Way. Because that's the message of this song, is I'm going to do it my way. Let me read you a couple of stanzas from this song. He says, now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. For what is man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows. I took the blows, and I did it my way. That's the mark of the beast. Not the song, but the message of that song. I am my own God and maker. I am my own designer. My philosophy is me. You see, every knee will bow and every tongue confess one day that Jesus Christ is Lord, but some people will do it grudgingly, and others will do it with worship in their hearts. The mark of the beast is our belief that we are our own God. And that may not sound as demonic as a computer chip, but it is. Because in the Garden of Eden, Satan came to man and he said, if you eat of the the fruit of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will be God. You will be God. Don't you want that? Don't you want control over your life? Don't Don't you want to be able to design your life in the way that you want to? Don't you want to be your own God? That came from the mouth of Satan. 666. It's not any kind of physical mark, but it is the mark of those who trust in themselves. And the irony of it is that when we're inside of tribulation, oftentimes, even though you don't have the mark of the beast because you're Christians, we act like we do. You know, when you're thrown into tribulation and you're thrown into suffering, even though you're not someone who has the mark of the beast, you sure act like you have the mark of the beast. Because when you're freaked out and when you're anxious and when you're worried, what do you start to do? You take greater control of your life. You trust in yourself more because you're scared. You guys don't have the mark of the beast. Not if you have Christ. But you keep acting like you do because you keep trusting in yourself and you stay far away from God in the midst of your tribulation. In the midst of your tribulation, are you praying and are you trusting? Or are you acting like you are your own God? Don't be afraid of a computer chip. Don't be afraid of these tattoos. Don't be afraid of whatever it is next. Be afraid of your unbelief that tells you that God is not enough and that you have to take control of your own life. There is the mark of the beast. There is the spirit of the mark of the beast that we have to avoid. You know, in all of our tribulation, he's trying to draw us nearer to him. I will allure her. I will bring her into wilderness so that I can speak tenderly to her. And in tribulation, I want her to draw her closer to me. That's God's heart for you. The last number that I want to talk about is this number 144,000. This number 144,000 has been confusing to people. And um, is there also a TV show called 144,000? It's about the, the 144,000 who are raptured. and um, the, the idea in the past has been there's only a specific number of people who could be saved and everybody else cannot uh, be saved along with them. Right? This idea is prevalent, um, especially among Jehovah's Witnesses and others. But here also, I want to tell you that apocalyptic numbers are not specific. 144,000 is actually a very small number in comparison to those Christians who are here on earth. I think that people have struggled a little bit less with this, and this has made people worry a little bit less. And yet, the fear is still there that, am I a part of this number? Now, if it's not a specific 144,000, then what is it? It's a number that represents all those who have been saved by Jesus Christ. How do you get to that number symbolically? It's the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. It's the 12 apostles of the New Testament. And the multitude, 1,000. 12 times 12 times a 1,000. It's 144,000. Now, what is the meaning of that? Do you remember in Revelation 7 when John looks at all those who are saved and he said what it's a multitude that nobody could count. But you said it's 144,000. You counted it. No, it's it doesn't mean that. It's a multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation and tongue. But it's everybody. Everybody under the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. Everybody under the 12 apostles and the word of God in the New. It's everyone. In Christ, Everyone that God has set apart for himself. It's not a subset of those who are in God. And these 144,000 are sealed with the mark of God and are called his own. You know, I just want to close um, by kind of getting underneath all of this. Uh, you know, I thought about it this week. I thought about it and, and I wondered, why do we get so worried about these numbers. And I think the reason that we get so worried about these numbers, the more I thought about it, is really a misconception of God our Father. It's a deep misconception about who he is and what he's like. And at the core of all of our fear, I think, is this understanding of God, who's who's somebody for us, who's so distant, and not loving, and so calculating, and says 144,000, that's it. You got a computer chip in your arm? You're out. You know, it's this understanding of God that even though that we have been bought by the blood of Christ, that he would be so cold and calculating to us. Do you see what the seal of God in Revelation means? It says that He puts His seal on all those who are saved. This is what it means. You know, um, no matter how nice you are, no matter how caring you are, you don't love any kid like your own kid. You don't love any kid like your own kid. No matter how big your heart is, no one will be your child except your children. A parent's heart will never change. And when your kids are young, they go to birthday parties and they're hanging out with all these other kids. And you may love those kids and you may care for them and you may think that they're cute but no kid will be your kid. Your children will always be yours and so when you hear someone scream from the bouncy house you turn and see if it's your kid. When you're cutting slices of cake some of you know which one is your kid's when you slice that cake. If there was a fire at a birthday party and everyone's evacuating, you look for your kids. No one is going to be like your kid. Don't you see what it means when God puts his seal on the 144,000? Do you see what it means when he puts his seal on Christians, on those who are bought by the blood of Christ? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, this is my child. This is my child. the seal of God is in you and you are mine and I will never love another kid like I love you I will never protect another like I protect you I will never defend anyone like I defend you and when the tribulation is here and comes I will never defend protect and love anyone like I love you And don't you see, the reason we get scared about these things is that we don't know the Father's heart for us. That in Jesus Christ, the thought that a computer chip, some barcode, or a mark on our social security card, just the thought that something like that would separate you from the love of God. Think about what you think about God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think it's so fragile You think it's that breakable, the promise that he's made to you, the love that he has for you, the blood of Jesus and the power of it. You think it's so small that you think some mark on your body would separate you from the love of God in Christ. Don't you see why we're scared of this stuff? It's not because we don't know how to interpret Revelation. Some of it is. But a big part of it is you don't know your God well if you just knew how much he loves you. That's why Paul says, you know, my prayer for you is that you would understand the height and depth. I I pray all the time that you would just understand the width and the length of God's love for you. It would quell so much fear, it would cast out so much fear if you just knew how much he loves you in the person of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, if you have Christ, when you look at all these numbers through the heart of the gospel, you see a God who in the tribulation is calling you to be near to him because he wants to speak tenderly to you. You see a God who through the mark of the beast is calling you when you're in the tribulation, when you're in the difficulty of your life, don't trust in yourself. I'm right here. And you see In the 144,000 that the Lord has sealed you and said, You're mine. I will never love anyone like you. I will never defend anyone like I defend you. I will never protect anyone as I protect you. Don't you know your place in the kingdom? Are you still scared of the tribulation? Are you still scared of the mark of the beast? Or have you let God's love cast out fear? The Lord's gospel is tremendous. And he is for you, not against you. Do not fear, Mosaic, but allow the gospel to secure you even as you look at these numbers and as you read through Revelation. Let the Lord and the gospel secure you tightly to him because nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Today we want to praise him. We want to sing to him because we know who we are in the kingdom. Let's go to him in prayer together. My brothers and sisters, I just, I just ask you to take some time and to pray about the tribulation that you are in now. You are in the tribulation now. And I want to ask you, in the midst of the tribulation, is your heart being allured to him are you praying? Are you meditating? Because he's got something he wants to say to you. He says, I want to speak to her tenderly. Secondly, in the midst of your tribulation and trial, are you so freaked out that you're just trusting in yourself? If we are, we need to repent. And finally, do we have the sense that nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ. Not tribulation, not famine, not sword, not a computer chip, not a mark of the beast. No, nothing. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ. Are you convinced of the gospel? Are you convinced of the gospel in your heart today? I just wanna give you some time, go to your father because he wants to speak tenderly to you Let's go to him in a moment of prayer together. in the midst of my frustration and my temptation and all these things that are happening to me this week and this month. I forgot that you love me and I forgot how much you want to protect me. and I forgot that you had a plan for me because Satan has been making me doubt that I'm a part of that number because I'm a sinner and I did all these things and I feel all these things, I believe in. the gospel once more. That we are not worthy to be a part of that number, but because of Jesus, who a billion times over is worthy, has given his tremendous blood and merit to us. So now we stand sealed, the seal of God. And now you'll protect us like you'll never protect anyone else. You'll defend us like no one else, and you'll love us. pray, help our fear and anxiety, our frustration and anger to be calmed because of the gospel and grace of Jesus. Help us to come to a place where we find you trustworthy again, because you're in control of our lives in a way that we could never be, so we could throw away the mark of the beast. We don't need to trust in ourselves and try to do it our way. Father, I pray, help us to glory in our Father who is in control. And today we give you our hearts and our praises. Allure us back to you and speak tenderly to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all rise and respond in a word of praise.